Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives life because you have, given, or you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. This is the Word of God. So now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, for the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you. Would you, pray, would you pray with me? God, for these moments, we're so grateful. We, we pray that you will do whatever is necessary in each one of us so that we can hear what you're saying to us today. You offer us new life. You offer us a life far beyond what we can imagine or dream. And we pray, O oh God, that through your grace and by your Spirit dwelling in us, that we will be able to walk into that new life. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. And we pray, God, that day by day we'll come to understand more and more of your great, great transforming love that is at work in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you for just a moment to imagine what it would feel like if you were a prisoner on death row and then all of a sudden you heard the words, not guilty, you may go free. Can you imagine what that would feel like to hear those words? Can you imagine what it would feel like to walk 
out into that new life. That's what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here in Romans chapter 8. He's walking about how we have been freed, and we have been freed not just to be freed. We have been freed so that we can walk in newness of life. We can walk into the new life that Jesus Christ has for us. You heard me say last week that if I were stranded on a desert island and could only have one chapter of Scripture with me, it would be Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, we find out so much about the richness of the Christian life and the riches that Jesus Christ has given us so that we can live this life we're being called to live. So for three weeks, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. And I hope that because we're spending this time together, we are finding more and more freedom to become the people that God is calling us to be in Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the passage leading us up to Romans chapter 8. We looked at the passage there in Romans chapter 7. We heard the apostles say things such as, I don't understand myself at all, for I, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. And then he went on to say in chapter 7, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? from this life that is dominated by sin. And then the Apostle Paul began to turn his vision to what we call Romans chapter 8 when the Apostle Paul said, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Spirit of Christ Jesus is living in us. It has set us free from the penalty of sin, and is giving us the power to walk away from the dominion of sin. In this passage in Romans chapter 8, the apostle, in a very dramatic way, paints a picture of the options, of the options that are now available to us because of who Jesus Christ is, the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and what Jesus Christ is offering us and what he has done in each one of us. We've been set free, but we've been set free to live the life in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 presents to us the two choices, the two options that we have for living. And we choose from these two options day by day, if not moment by moment, of all of our living. According to the Apostle Paul and the Christian faith, we can choose. We can choose to live according to the way in which we were born. We can live according to what Paul calls the flesh, in Greek, he's using the word sarks. It really means our sinful nature, and that's the way the New Living Translation translates it. We can live according to our sinful nature, the way in which we have been born. We can live according to the weakness of our flesh, 
or our sinful nature, we can live according to the sinful desires of our, own, of our old life, our sinful desires that were dominating us B.C., before Christ. We can choose that. We can choose the old life. We can choose to set our minds on the things of the flesh. We can choose to set our minds on the things of this world and we can then find a life filled with frustration. Or, or we can choose the new life that's being made available to us in Jesus Christ. As the people of Jesus Christ, we never have to live under the circumstances. As the people of Jesus Christ, we can live above the circumstances and we can walk in newness of life. What Paul is saying to us here throughout Romans chapter 8 is that we can make the choice to walk away from the old life and embrace the new life through the power that God gives us. We can choose now to live not according to the way we were born, but we can choose to live now according to the new birth the birth from above, the birth from the Spirit. We have been, as Christ followers, baptized into a new life. And we can choose to walk in newness of life. We can choose to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We can choose the life that the Spirit within us is offering us. The resurrection power of God, you heard Paul say this, dwells within each one of us. Again, we don't have to live under the circumstances. We can live above the circumstances. We have been set free, not just to be set free from the penalty of our sin, but we have been set free to live a new life, to live a new way, to live according to the new person that we have become in Jesus Christ. We can now, through grace and the power of the Spirit working within us, set our minds on those things of the Spirit. We can set our minds on eternal things, those things from above. We now have the option through the power of the Spirit dwelling within us to live a life that pleases God. We can now make the choice through the empowerment of grace to live a life of hope, to live a life of peace. Those are the two options. Those are the two options that's placed before us through the work of Jesus Christ. Do we, do we receive who Jesus is and what Jesus is offering, or do we just receive a little bit of Jesus for a few moments in life, for those moments when we especially need him, or will we receive Jesus to the extent that day by day, moment by moment, we are receiving the life he's calling us to live Church, I I invite you to dream with me. Dream with me about what our lives could look like. What lives, according to the Spirit, would look like. What lives, according to walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, would look like. I invite you to dream that dream. 
I invite you, I invite you to choose new life. Now, again, we can't choose it because of who we are, but we have been grace-empowered to choose it. The Spirit dwells within us when we are baptized into Christ. We are baptized into His Holy Spirit, and there is the option of a new life. But we can keep going back to the old ways. We can keep going back to the old life. We can keep going back to the way we were raised. We can keep going back to to what we know. Or we can day by day step into the newness of life, that great adventure of faith that is ours in Jesus Christ. We Methodist types throughout history have been known for our great optimism regarding grace. Now, we're very realistic about human nature. We know the depth of human depravity. We know that human nature needs to be delivered and cured and redeemed, but we know that Jesus Christ has taken care of all of that. We are very optimistic about what grace can do in a human heart. Grace doesn't just forgive us of our sins. Grace can change us. Grace can transform us. Grace does not just change our status before God. It changes who we are. In the new birth, John Wesley loved to preach the new birth. In the new birth, we become new people. We're not just renovated. We're completely done over again. We pass from death to life, and that resurrection period, uh, that resurrection power of God in Jesus Christ resides in each one of us. This is why John Wesley could say something to the early Methodists such as this when he was preaching on this text. He said, think of, relish. Love the things invisible, eternal, the things which the Spirit hath revealed, which he works in us, moves us to, and promises to give us. Relish the things of the Spirit. Relish the life that's being given to us in Jesus Christ. And day by day, moment by moment, choose it. Receive that life, nurture that life that is within us now as Christ followers. Whichever life we nurture is the life that will prevail. If we nurture the old life, it will prevail. If we nurture the new life, it will prevail. So we want to nurture the new life. And we talk about the means of grace. Those means of grace are instruments whereby God will nurture the new life in us. Means of grace, such as gathering together for worship, putting ourselves in those places where Jesus is happening and where the Spirit of God abounds. We can use those things such as Christian fellowship, finding a more mature Christian to mentor us. We can use those gifts such as the gift of fasting, Scripture reading, Scripture study, going to Scripture to hear the voice of God. We can use all that God has given us. He's given us so many wonderful instruments to help us nurture this life that is within us. And, of course, John Wesley said the chief of all the means of grace is prayer. We, through living a prayer-immersed life, 
We can live as people who pray continually. We can live as people who are nurturing that relationship, that prayerful, submitted, surrendered relationship with God throughout life. And that's how we nurture the new person that is within us. We have to receive, nurture the new person, and we have to continue to desire that our old man, our old woman, will be, as Paul says, crucified with Christ. So there'll no, no longer be, be me who lives, but it'll be Christ who lives in me now. The option, the opportunity, the gift of new life. We settle for far, far less than what God is offering us. We settle for something far, far beneath the life that God is offering us in Jesus Christ. Because we settle for what we know. We settle for how we feel. We settle for what we think we want out of life. The life of the Spirit is a journey. The spiritual life is a journey. We won't always make progress, but we need to make sure we're always heading in the right direction. We should be people of great intentionality. We don't just let life happen. We seize the day, and we live life with great intentionality. We don't just let life happen to us. That's part of what it means to be a Christ follower. The spiritual life is a journey. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we fail miserably. And that's okay. God's love remains constant. There's never anything we can do to make God love us more than God loves us right now in this minute. There's nothing we can ever do to make God love us less than God loves us right now in this very minute. But we want to keep heading in a God-pleasing direction as we seek to live a God-centered life. We will fail from time to time. It's okay to fall down six times as long as you get up seven times and keep heading in the right direction. We're talking about holiness of heart and holiness of living. Now, know that in this culture, the word holy or holiness has fallen on hard times, and that's been a favorite word among Methodists throughout our history, holiness of heart and life. To be holy just simply means to be set apart. To be holy doesn't mean to be self-righteous. It means to be set apart, to know that you have been chosen and claimed by God to do something particular in this world, to live in a particular way in this world. So we need to reclaim that word holy, holiness, and the concept of holy heart holy life. When we pray as we did at the beginning of the service, cleanse our hearts, O God. We believe that he desires to do that, and he can do that. He can take our hard hearts and tenderize our hard hearts with the oil and the wine of the Holy Spirit and give us hearts of flesh that beat for him. Holiness of heart, holiness of living. John Oswalt is one of my favorite Old Testament 
uh, scholars. He taught for years and is still somewhat involved at Asbury Theological Seminary up in Wilmore, Kentucky. John Oswalt wrote a book entitled Called to be Holy. And throughout the last couple of decades, that book has meant a lot to me, Called to be Holy. He begins that book with the audacious statement, the fate of the Christian church in America and around the world depends upon what the church does with the biblical doctrine of holiness. When the world looks at us, they should see something very different from what they see most of the time in the world. The world should see in us a different way of being human. The world should see in us trophies of God's grace, what it is that God can do for us, in us, and through us. God is busy, always. God is busy changing lives. God is busy right now changing lives around the world. God is busy right now changing lives in this place, in this congregation. Thank you to those of you that are supporting what God is doing here in this place. Thank you for participating in how God is changing lives here among us. We receive the new life. We receive the new life by repentance. We have to also be people who live lives of repentance. That's another good Bible term. Repentance just means we change our minds. We go in a different direction. We have to go toward the new life, not toward the old life. Repentance is just simply decluttering our lives so that we can receive what God has for us. This may strike you as odd, but one of the things I greatly enjoy doing is what some people call what some people call spring cleaning. Now, I know that's probably not something many of you enjoy doing. I love to declutter my life. I love to clean things out and throw things away. My family knows if they want something kept, they better keep an eye on it. Because I love to clean things out and throw things away. I don't like a cluttered life. I don't like a cluttered life physically. And I do enjoy being able to do something in life that I can step back from for a moment and see that it has been accomplished. It has been finished. There's not much in my life that ever falls into that category. So I, I do enjoy seeing um, the, the, the results of my work of decluttering my life, but I really like to declutter my spiritual life. God is seeking to give us so much of himself, but sometimes our lives are too cluttered to fit him in. God wants to give us so much of himself, but sometimes our hands are too full of clutter. We need to work on destroying the carnal, fleshly life, as the Apostle Paul would say. And we need to determine that day by day, we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to be the people that Jesus is calling us to. We want the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in us that only the Holy Spirit can produce. In Galatians chapter 5, 
Paul paints a beautiful picture of what the Spirit can produce in our lives. We call it the fruit of the Spirit, and we call it the fruit of the Spirit because only the Spirit can produce it. We cannot produce it on our own. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul paints a beautiful picture of what the fruit of the Spirit looks in our life, and he contrasts it to the works of the flesh. Perhaps you remember the words of Galatians 5. The Apostle Paul says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. The acts of the flesh, Paul says, are obvious. Sexual immorality, and of course he defines sexual immorality as a good first century Jew. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But, but the fruit of the Spirit, I hope that you understand one of the most important words in the New Testament is that little word, B-U-T. But the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want the fruit of the Spirit, or do you want just the works of the flesh? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Every time I see that phrase, self-control, it reminds me of the people that I know, and you know some of these people too, who, who don't think about self-control being a fruit of the Spirit. They think it's a fruit of the Spirit to always tell you everything that's on their mind. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. If you want a life that exhibits that fruit, it takes the Spirit within us growing that fruit. We cannot do it on our own. Paul concludes by saying, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since... Since we live by the Spirit, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I've asked you before, may I ask you once again, as Christians you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Amen.